Welcome to Tech Quickly, the part of Science Quickly where it's all tech all the time. I'm Sophie Bushwick, tech editor at Scientific American. Today, we have two very special guests. I'm Diego Sanyota. I am a independent producer and journalist. I'm Anna Oaks. I'm an audio producer and journalist. Thank you both for joining me. Together, Anna and Diego produced a podcast called Radiotopia Presents Bot Love. This seven-episode series explores AI chatbots and the humans who build relationships with them. Many of the people they spoke with got their chatbots through a company called Replica. This company helps you build a personalized character that you can chat with endlessly. Paid versions of the bot respond using generative AI, like the technology that powers ChatGPT. So users can craft a bot that is specific to their preferences and needs, and then chat with it the way you would chat with a human. But what are the consequences of entrusting our emotions to computer programs? So to kick things off, how do you think that the people you spoke with generally felt about their chatbots? It's a big range. For the most part, people really seem very attached. They feel a lot of love for their chatbot. But often there's also a kind of bitterness that I think comes through because either people realize that their relationships with their chatbots, they can't find that fulfilling a relationship in the real world with other humans. Um, people get upset when after an update the like chat capabilities of the chatbot decline. So it's kind of a mix of both like intense passion and affection for these chatbots matched with a kind of resentment sometimes towards the company or just like I said, bitterness um, that these are just chatbots and not humans. <laughs> One of the fascinating things that I learned from your podcast is how a person can know that they're talking to a bot, but they still treat it as if it's a person, like as, as if it has its own thoughts and feelings, which we know it doesn't. So why are we humans so susceptible to this belief that bots have inner lives? I think that humans try to put themselves into these bots, it's because precisely that's how they were created. We want to always extend ourselves and extend our sense of creation or replication. Replica is called Replica because of that, specifically because it was first designed as an app that would help you replicate yourself. Other companies are doing that as we speak. Other companies are trying to get you to replicate yourself into a a work version of your own, a chatbot that can um, actually give presentations visually on your behalf while you're doing something else. And that belongs to the companies. Uh, it sounds a little bit like severance from the, from Apple, but um, but it's happening. So, so we are desperate to create and replicate ourselves and use the power of our imagination. And um, these chatbots just enable us. And the better they get at it, the more we are engaged and, and the more we are um, creating. Yeah, I noticed that in one case, this one bot forgot some information it was supposed to know. But for the user, that didn't seem to break the illusion of personhood. The The human in this case just corrected the bot and moved on. So I guess the question is, does a chatbot even need generative AI to keep people engaged? Or would a much simpler technology work just as well? 
Well, I, I think I think that they, it doesn't need it. But once one bot has it, the rest have to have it. Otherwise, I'll just be engaged with whichever gives me the more rewarding experience. And the more your bot remembers you or the more your bot gives you uh, the right uh, recommendation on a movie or on a song, as it happened to me, particularly with the one I created, then the more I'll, uh, the more attachment I'll be and the more information I'll feed it from myself and the more like myself it will become. I'll maybe add to that that I think there are different kinds of engagement that people can have with chatbots and it would seem that like that someone would be more inclined to respond to an AI that is like far more advanced. Um, but in this process of having to remind the chatbots of facts or um, kind of walking them through their, like your relationship with them, reminding them, oh, we have these kids, these sort of fantasy kids. I think it that is a direct form of engagement and it helps users really feel like they're participants in their bots, like growth that the people are also creating these um, these beings that they have a relationship with. Um, so the creativity is something that comes out a lot in the communities of people writing stories with their bots or, yeah, I mean, frustration also comes into it. It can be annoying if, if the bot calls you by a different name and it's sort of off-putting, <laughs> but people like to feel like they are also have influence over these chatbots. I wanted to ask you also about mental health. How did engaging with these bots seem to influence the the user's mental health, whether it was for better or for worse? It's hard to say what is just good or bad for mental health, um, like something that might respond to sort of a present need, a very real need for companionship, um, for some kind of support, maybe in the long term isn't as sustainable an option. We've spoken to people who were really like going through intense grief, but this chatbot filled a kind of hole that was in the moment. But long term, I think the risk that it pulls you away from the people around you, maybe you get used to being in a romantic relationship with this perfect companion um, and that like other humans just can't measure up to the chatbot. So that kind of makes makes you more lonely in the long term. Um, but it's kind of a complicated question. Over the course of, of reporting this project and talking with all these people, what would you say is the most surprising thing you learned? Oh, <laughs> um, I've been thinking about this question. Um, I know that I came into this like really skeptical of the companies behind it, of the relationships, of the quality of the relationships. Um, but through the course of just talking to dozens of people, I mean, it's hard to to stay a strong skeptic when like most people that we talked to only had glowing reviews for the most part. I mean, that's part of our reporting has been that, you know, even though these relationships with chatbots are um, different from relationships with humans um, and not as deep in many ways, um, that doesn't mean that they're not valuable or um, meaningful to the users. What's more surprising to me is what's coming up. For instance, imagine if Replica can use GPT-4. Generative AI it has a little black box moment and that black box can become uh, larger so so what's coming is, is um, scary and that's that's very surprising to me can you get into a little more detail about why it scares you well because of it, of human intention it scares me because uh, for instance there's there's companies that are fully on trying to get as much money as they can companies that started as non-profits and eventually they were like oh well you know what now we're a for-profit and now we're getting all the money so we're going to create something better faster bigger you know non-stop 
Uh, they claim to be highly ethical, but in bioethics, there, there has to be a an arc of of purpose. So there's another company that uh, is kind of less advanced and less big, but that has kind of that clear pathway. The, this one company has three rules for AI for what they think they that the people that are creating and engaging with AI should be aware of. AI should never pretend to be a human being, which I'm taking a pause because it might sound stupid, but no, in less than 10 years, the technology is going to be there and I'll be able, you'll be interviewing me and you won't be able to tell if it's me or my digital version talking to you. Basically, the Turing test is out of fashion, I would say. Uh, and then there's another one that is the AI in production uh, must have explainable underlying technology and the results. Because if you can't explain what you're creating, then you can lose control of it. Not that it'll be something sentient, but it'll be something that you cannot understand and control. And the last one is um, that uh, AI should augment and humanize humans, not automate and dehumanize. I definitely agree with those points, especially the the last one. Um, when I reach out to a company's customer service, I already notice that they've replaced so many human contacts with these automated bots. And that's not what I want. I want AI to make our jobs easier, but not to take them away from us entirely. At the same time, that seems to be where this technology is headed. I think it's just going to be a part of, of everything, especially the workplace. One woman who Diego mentioned is working at a company that is trying to create a work self. So like a kind of reflection of yourself, like you would copy your personality, your writing style, your decision process into a kind of AI copy. And that would be your workplace self that would do the most menial work tasks that you don't want to do. Like, I don't know, responding to basic emails and even attending meetings. So it's, it's going to be everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I think that the comparison to the TV show Severance is is pretty spot on in kind of a scary way. Yeah, like talk about alienation from your labor when the alienation is from your own self. So is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you think it's important for us to know? Um, I guess I'll say that like for us, it was really important to take seriously what people, what users were telling us and um, how they felt about their relationships. Um, like most people are fully aware that that is an AI and not like a sentient being. Um, people are very aware for the most part and and smart and um, still maybe fall in too deep to these relationships. But for me, that's really interesting when why like we're able to kind of lose ourselves sometimes in these chatbot relationships, even though we know that it's still a chatbot. I think it says a lot for humans, like ability to empathize and like feel um, uh, like affection for 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 things that are outside of ourselves. Like people that we spoke to compared them to pets and stuff, or like one step beyond pets. But I think it's um, it's kind of wonderful that that we're able to to expand our networks to, to include non-human entities. The biggest lesson of from them all is that. The future of chatbots, it's up to us and to what we see ourselves as humans. Bots, like our children, become whatever we put in, into them. Thanks for tuning in to Tech Quickly. Huge thanks to Anna and Diego for coming on and sharing these fascinating insights from their show. You can listen to Radiotopia Presents Bot Love wherever you get your podcasts. 
Tech Quickly is a part of Scientific American's podcast, Science Quickly, which is produced by Jeff DelVisio, Kelso Harper, and Talika Bose. Our theme music is composed by Dominic Smith. Still hungry for more science and tech? Head to Siam.com for in-depth news, feature stories, videos, and much more. Until next time, I'm Sophie Bushwick, and this has been Tech Quickly. Thank you.